Okay, here we go. Nice and quiet. Sound speeds, camera rolling. Holding for sound. Last looks. Calling for last looks. And set and action. I need to swap batteries. You know, making movies is hard. Making movies is hard. Welcome to Making Movies is Hard, the podcast about the struggle of being an independent filmmaker. I am Art Purcell, the founding host of the podcast. I've been crewing up on sets for over 10 years. I've made and worked on dozens of films, shorts and features as either a producer or a director or a PA even before. Uh, and I'm just finishing up my first feature as a writer director called The Alternate, which is premiering at Dances with Films in Los Angeles, September 11th, 11.55 p.m., be there, please. Come check us out. It'll be awesome to see you guys at the premiere. I'm Liz Manichel. I'm a writer, director, producer with, um, who's done that on two features. I'm also a former film critic and current distribution consultant who used to manage Sundance's Creative Distribution Initiative. And please watch my second feature, Speed of Life, on Showtime. This week, we have filmmakers Stacey Malton and Margarita Zinakova who talk about their company, Besties Make Movies, why they started the company, what their mission is, and how they go about making their films. We spent a good portion of the talk discussing their upcoming feature, Triple Threat, which is currently in the middle of its festival run. Uh, and they talked about why they made the film, why they tackled a musical, and we got some really great stories about how they really did everything uh, on their own, including picking up <laughs> breakfast every day for the crew, which is amazing. Um, we're gonna go jump, we are going to jump right into the conversation, but don't go away because Liz and I also talk about promoting your film during its festival run and I'm going to have a bunch of questions for Liz about like what I should be doing right now because my movie's about to premiere and uh, we read some uh, another listener email. Uh, we also want to give a big shout out to the International Screenwriters Association who is a brand new partner of ours. The IASA is an organization designed to connect writers with filmmakers and they have a bunch of programs they offer including publishing your logline to a network of industry professionals looking for scripts. They also offer consult consultation, contests, and they have a top 25 writers list which I think later we'll be actually pulling people from the list and having them on the show. Um, so head over to www.networkisa.org to sign up for free today so without any further uh liberally blobbity blue here's our talk with stacy and margarita so we're here with stacy malton and margarita junikova of besties make boobies and to talk about the most recent film triple threat margarita you want to give us the elevator pitch for triple threat Oh my God. <laughs> I feel like Stacey should get melted. You can, you I can always pass. say something different. Okay, I'm passing. I'm passing the space. Sure. Um, so Triple Threat is the story of three friends on the verge of their Broadway debut when one of them, who is a man, asks his two female best friends to help him have a child. Uh, one of them ends up giving the egg. The other one is the surrogate. And it's about how their relationships are sort of irrevocably changed as their two babies, one human, one art baby is coming into the world. Awesome. Um, and how many days did you shoot the film? I think altogether 22. Uh, that's a very high number, which leads me to the next question. What was the rough budget? <laughs> uh, did you want it like cash or in kind? <laughs> I want every piece of information you could share or are willing to share comfortably. <laughs> It was under a million. I'll say that. <laughs> um, but also, 
a lot of things were in kind. Like we definitely hustled and got things in kind. And the reason we shot for, we were able to shoot for so many days is because we didn't like do a consecutive shoot of 22 days. We would raise some, we shot a part of the project, realized it was going to be more story than we thought. And we wanted to honor that. Uh, so then we decided to raise some money for specific segments as we went along so it'd be like we need to record music now let's see if we can get somebody to like help us pay for that portion they see if you want to add to that yeah i mean really the true origin of the project is that it really came about at a time when we had been releasing our first feature and we were really sort of like in the throes of doing like all this business it was really like all business and we hadn't like made anything in a second. And I'd had like the sort of inklings of this idea about a story about three friends who were friends from when they were in college, who like always created art together when like this man decides, I really want to tell a story about a man who wanted to have a kid and how his two female friends were like very ambitious and were like more ambivalent about motherhood. Mm -hmm. um, but the truth is when we started filming it, it was really like, I had like, maybe 15 pages of a script. I thought maybe it was gonna be a short. I didn't really know. And I just asked like Mars and um, Jay who plays the um, the man in the movie who I've known for like almost 20 years, uh, if they wanted to, you know, do you wanna have some fun and sort of explore and like get a group of people together and see what this idea is. And we shot for two days, we shot over a weekend. Um, it was just like, our money at the time like you know we were just I we didn't really know what it was and then as I was like looking through the footage and sort of like looking through everything I was like oh like I don't think this story works as a short film um I don't think it's this is going to be a good short film <laughs> anyway um I think this needs to be a feature and if we're gonna tell you know I don't want to tell about making a musical if these people are going to be like musical theater nerds uh spoiler alert, I'm a musical theater nerd. I was like, we have to like, you know, show it, not just tell it. So I was like, let's put a pause on things. Let's develop the music. Let's figure out what this really is. And we started, we really, really started working from there. And from there, like I brought Jay on to co-write the rest of the script with me. And we spent the next several months, like really like actually writing the feature script at the same time, developing the music and, um, yeah, that, so that's really where it started in this sort of super scrappy way. And it really turned into something that was like much bigger by the end. I think, uh, Liz, you've mentioned uh, on other episodes that while you were waiting on a feature, you were like, I don't want to just wait. I want to make stuff. And we have very much the same attitude where we're like, we want to keep building our careers. Sorry, I'm out of breath. I have to close the door. <laughs> um, so we're like, let's not wait for permission. Like, while we're pitching our other films, let's make something. Um, and we never at that point anticipated, we were like, let's run and gun this and just see like who's around on what days and like keep doing that. But after that first shoot, and then when Stacey like cut some of the footage together, the people that worked on those first two days were like, let us know when you're shooting more. Like we want to be a part of this. So that was really, really cool and heartwarming. And we ended up having two like incredible cinematographers um, and a lot of the other crew like kept coming back. So it was like a little family that formed around this project. Yeah. So the next question is, how did you come up with the idea? But you pretty much answered that question. So I don't think we need to ask it again, but I'm going to sneak in a side question. So all the footage that you shot on the original first two days that made it into the feature. So you didn't have to reshoot anything at that point from there. Um, 
interestingly, that is really like the first 10 minutes of the movie, I would say. Oh, nice. Um, not all of it. There was some stuff that was trimmed out of it, as I guess, you know, happens in any edit just for like timing. A funny story about it was we actually realized when we were really getting into like, you know, footage. So something that was really nice about having time in between when we shot this and when we like shot the rest of the movie was, you know, you get to really look at like all the dailies. You get to see everything that you really have. And as we like filled in the script, we understood that there were a few things that we wanted to go back and like hone in on in this opening scene, which we knew at this point that this was going to be the opening scene of the movie, the, of this feature. But now that it was a feature, we were like, oh, okay, we need to really like punch in on some of the themes here. And, but what was really funny about it was we shot those first two days. It was like the very, I think it was like November 28th and 29th. And it was so freezing. It was freezing. <laughs> I mean, we're, and we shot it outside. It's like a party. It's this like college theater party that's like outside on this terrace and uh we spent a lot of the scene like huddled under a blanket like as a part of the scene but when we shot the pickups for the scene it was the middle of July (laughs) and we had to like blazing hot it was it was I mean it was like in the 90s and we had to re-put on like all the coats and like huddle under the blanket (laughs) I kept my clothes in the freezer before I had I was like until the last second my clothes will be in the freezer and it was at my house so I was like I I give myself permission to use this freezer right now (laughs) what's funny is nobody can tell and when I tell people that they're like what those were shot on different days I was like I mean because you can't really tell the way it's edited because it's all just so interspersed like with angles like what was shot when but it's really funny because we really went from like extreme cold to extreme hot to shoot that wow i think that is related to the next you're very good at anticipating what we're going to ask um how long did you spend working on the film from the from the inception of the idea till its anticipated release because i know it's not released yet uh i started writing the first ideas of the script probably in like september of 2018 um we shot the um we shot those first two days at the end of November of 2018 and then we shot the vast majority of the film over several weekends mostly in the summer of 2019 um and then we had more pickups to do and we shot we really finished shooting it in January of 2020. I would say like that's when we shot the last. So we really shot it over like an extended period of time, um, which was its own story with like, you know, hair continuity, and, like all kinds of stuff. But uh, so we really finished shooting it in January of 2020. We did 90% of posts like through the pandemic. And then it premiered at Cinequest. So we had our festival premiere in March of 2021. And then compared to all the other projects you've made, how difficult was this one? Wow. I mean, this was difficult for different reasons. I mean, I guess they're all difficult for their own reason. This was hard to like keep the momentum going, even though we knew we wanted to shoot, but it's like, is this the right time? Should we schedule another weekend? Or like, we also knew if we didn't schedule another weekend, then like, even if we didn't have all the things in place, we wouldn't do it. So it was a lot of like believing in it without knowing how to get any of it done. So it'd be like, all right, let's just put this on the calendar and then figure out what we need and then figure out how to get what we need. And if we need more money to make it happen. So a lot of it was just like blindly going forward. I would say it was the difficult part. 
And this being like, you know, sort of like, you know, willing things into being in some ways, like if you will it enough. And we knew that it was like, okay, the majority of the movie, and there are like some really amazing supporting roles in the film. Um, but so much of the film is me and Mars and Jay. And so I was like, okay, if the three of us can be on set and our two DPs who, because we shot with two cameras most of the time, like if they could be on set, then we could fill in everything else around it and sort of like figure it out. And we would pick weekends, you know, like we shoot, you know, we, we usually shot over like three or four day weekends. That was like pretty much how we scheduled it out. Um, And we were like, okay, so like this actor is available on like this weekend. So we're going to use that as like our landmark to like take these, this, we're going to shoot this weekend. We're going to shoot these four days because he's available and we're going to shoot all of his stuff out over like these four days. Um, and yeah, sort of just using things or like a location, like we would like reach out to, like, I really wanted to shoot at like the Cherry Lane Theater, for example. And they were really kind and like, let us shoot there. And they were like, okay, you can shoot on like this one day. There's nothing happening and you can be there. And we're like, great. That's our landmark. We'll use that as a thing to say, we're shooting around that for that weekend. Yeah, since I'm doing that exact same thing right now with my short and it's hell. Um, you paint a very nice, like rosy colored <laughs> aspect to it, but it is hell. Uh, okay, so let's take a it step is back. Hell. And <laughs> real cool. quick, I'm also, I should also mention for those that haven't seen the film, which is probably a lot of people, but Stacey wrote, co-wrote, starred, directed, produced. A lot of times she was also production designing. I acted and produced and a lot of it was like us driving the truck to set us like picking up all the gear and loading the truck and like finding parking and also like being there to pick up breakfast and assemble all the crafty and like we did have a great team of producers that came on but because it was like you know such a low budget thing we didn't want to ask too much of them so it was hard like I don't want anybody to think that this was fucking easy because it wasn't (laughs) at all. Um, Liz, before you go back in time really quick, just like, I'm really curious, like how big your breaks were between shooting? Like, did you do it like every, was it every weekend? Was it like every other weekend? Was it longer stretched? Was just across like six months? Like what was the breakdown of how you shot? Yeah. So the majority of the musical stuff, um, because so I, for people who don't know, this is also, there's a musical with inside the film. Um, it's not, it's not a musical where char- characters don't sing dialogue to each other, but the characters are creating a Broadway musical. And we do see like musical numbers that are used to push the story forward. So we had a, like, there were actors who were like specifically involved in that musical section. Um, and we shot most of everything with them over like five days like that were consecutive it was like consecutive five days we had the theater we had um like a rehearsal studio location like we so we shot like most of the musical stuff and then after we shot most of the musical stuff we took like a two-month break and really like god I mean we raised more money first of all like we cut together like a little trailer out of like that musical footage Um, We used that to like go to people who had already given us some money and, you know, to try and get more money. We got some like new people involved in that. We did a crowdfunding campaign after that. Um, We used that footage and we like ran a campaign in between like that, those five days and when we shot it, the next section of it. And I think it was around two months later. And once we started shooting again, it was like every other weekend or every, it was 
sometimes it was every other weekend and sometimes it was like every third weekend, but it was pretty often. It felt like every time we were shooting, it was like we were going, it was like doing pre-production for like a segment. And then the next two weeks were spent doing pre-production for like the next segment. And so it was like, we were like constantly in production over like several months. And we wrapped what I would say is principal photography, like everything that was in the script up to that point at the end of August. And we took a little break so the, what we shot at the end of August is more of like an epilogue and it was supposed to be like a few months or not a few months, I'm sorry, like a few years po- in script time. Oh, right, right. So we actually took a break to like, like Jay, like did a whole new hair thing. Like we had, so we all had like really different hair and like it was supposed to be these like drastically different looks. Um, so that was sort of like by design that we waited a little bit to shoot that ending. Nice. Yeah, I, I, the reason why I'm asking these questions because I like my next movie. Like I'm thinking I might want to do this same style because I did like the whatever you know, 19 days in a row with weekends off, and woo, you know that was rough. Um, and I think having the time to like you know work on it and like you know like bring creativity to it in a way where you can't, where you're just so focused on like executing. I think having that break might be nice. But anyways, I don't know. Seems like there's pluses and minuses. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm also thinking the same way. And I I just constantly think about the fact that everyone, after they see my latest feature, they always point out two scenes that were written after the film was edited during pickups. And it was like the scenes that were written to solve problems that weren't in the film. And it's like, so, so often that's the time we get to look at our script and evaluate what's the purpose. Did we get everything we need? It's like that little sliver of time in between um, you know, um, ending principal photography. And, and if you are lucky enough to get pickups to do pickups, um, I had another question to go, I wanted to go back in time, but Arik, you're starting something here. Um, <laughs> so I guess my follow-up question to that is how do you secure equipment and crew and insurance? And maybe you don't want to talk about insurance because you don't want to get in trouble or whatever. Um, but I think what's hard about the spread out production timeline is actually the overhead of the rental fees and so I was just curious how you bypass that if you can talk about it yeah so like insurance wise we have like for our company we have an annual policy um so that's helpful in that sense um for equipment honestly 95 percent of the equipment like we own it like my partner and I we have a like our own separate production company where we do like day-to-day we do branded content and commercials like corporate work um and so we own like a fair amount of like lighting stuff grip stuff um we did not use like our camera we did have so our other so my partner was one of the dps and so our other dp owned his own camera and we rented a second camera that like was the same one and matched it our biggest expense in terms of like equipment was the lenses because we did want to get like a good set of those lovely cook cinema lenses. Um, (laughs) And so we did do that. Um, It was like every time there were small things that we filled in rental wise, the only time that I said, I feel like we had this giant rental was the pool. Right. I mean, Mm -hmm. that was like a really big, we, so there's a scene in the film where it's, it's a dance in a pool. Um, and 
So New York. So low has- budget. So easy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, this day was fucking hard, but it was probably the best day. Honestly, like as hard as it was, it was probably the day that everybody talks about the most when you ask people about production, because we've been, so we utilize the New York tax credit. New York has now changed the rules and you have to be a much higher budget production in order to qualify for the tax credit. But um, when we first applied, we I mean, we did qualify for it because we were grandfathered in because we had put in the application before they changed those rules. In any case, New York has this like lovely tax credit where you can get 30% back on um, qualified production costs and post-production costs. And one of those, but one of the rules to qualify for it is you have to film for one day on what they call a qualified sound stage. Um, and it's, you know, not the cheapest to film on sound stages, which is like why it's one of those rules. Um, we got very lucky in that we have a great relationship with a soundstage and they, we actually shot over 4th of July weekend um, because they had nobody else there that weekend. And they were like, if you want to use it this weekend, you know, we'll give you this rate. And we were like, yes, we will shoot over the 4th of July. (laughs) Shout out to Be Electric Studios. They're amazing. And they're one of the few studios that also has gear that they let you rent like off the premises. So like, There are some where you can like, if you're shooting there, you can rent the gear, but they hooked us up with gear for other locations and stuff. And they're incredible. Highly, highly recommend. They're really amazing folks there. But like in order to execute this day, we did need like, oh, because of the nature of it being this like giant soundstage, like we needed to make it work. You have to build a set as a part of the requirements. Um, So we needed so much that day. Like we shot interview, like we shot scene wise, like, there was a scene that was an interview with one of our stars that like is a star in the movie as well. Oh. We shot like two different components of the pool scene. There was just so much, like it was green screen. It was building this giant pool. It was shooting like the end of the epilogue. Like so many things happened on this one day. So many things. And we shot it all. We built the pool. Luckily they let us load in the night before. Like we brought everything there and the, it was just us. It was like me and Donnie, who's my partner and Mars. We loaded everything in. Like we brought all the lumber in for the pool. We brought in all the, like we loaded everything in and like left the van there and then showed up for set the next morning. And we had to build the pool. So while, while we had team building the pool, we were on like this other part of the stage shooting the screen screen stuff. And then we came and we had to do this whole song, this whole dance. Like it was crazy. We had to like take, and then in the same day we had to take the pool down and like totally like get out of the soundstage. It was a really long day. And at at some point we just told everybody to go. We had one guy, I will shout him out. His name is John Rossi. He's amazing. He like refused to go. He's like, I'm not going to go. I'm staying here until the end. And I'm going to like make sure everything is out with you guys. And it was like, so sweet um because we at some point we were like you know we've been here for like 15 hours like please like please go like everybody go (laughs) (laughs) and also shout out to stacy and jay because while they had rehearsed this dance before they had never rehearsed it in water so stacy was directing and dancing like heavy dance choreography in water and then she'd like run over watch them back be like did we get it we got it i don't do you know like doing her director thing and then right back in the water that like at first is kind of you know like feels okay like that's not so bad and then you're in it like six hours (laughs) and it's cold and it was cold it was hard it was hard but like one of those days that's like so hard and you're like how did we do this but then is like the most even though like you know very sore very sore afterwards I think it's funny because like we often refer to our projects as our babies but because this film is actually about 
a baby and we started over such a large period of time. Like it really felt like trimesters, you know, like, <laughs> and then you also like forget how bad I'm not from experience, but from what I've heard, like, get how bad the labor was so that people have more babies. Like your brain just like heals over that. <laughs> right. Like Liz, you could probably talk more about that, but like, that's what my friends have told me. And that's what this feels like. It's like, it was impossible. It was so fucking hard, but like, you have to forget how hard it was in order to be able to say like, I'm going to make another movie. <laughs> yeah. I, I kind of feel that way about like every shoot I'm on. It's like, you know, when you're going through it, it can be hell. And then you look back at it, like, you know, a two months later, later and you're like, Oh, wow. We had such a good time. That was so much fun. You know, like you forget about the 20 hour days and the no sleep and sleeping on the floor. It doesn't matter. Broken it's elevators, fine. the staircases, <laughs> yeah. and broken equipment. Yeah. What? I don't remember any of that. <laughs> yeah. Um, I know we want to go back in time, but one more question. Um, so now that you've, cause I, I assume your first movie wasn't done this way. Was that more of a traditional schedule that your first feature? Yeah, that was, I think we shot, when we shot much less days, it was either like 12 days, maybe 14 days. It was like a really yeah. short shoot, but it was, cons- it was all consecutive. So now I mean, we didn't break it. with like, I think it was like, we did, I think we did like two, I think we did two six day weeks with the day off and we did maybe like one or two other days besides that. Yeah. I think it was so, like, um, the script was like far more fully fleshed out for landing uh, up. Whereas like this script was more altered as we went, because at first we didn't realize that we were going to make a feature. First, we're like, let's see what this is going to be. And then as it became clear, that's when we would like talk more about where the script should go. And then Stacy and Jay would like go off and shape it. So I guess the question is, after doing both versions, like what will you do for your next project? Like, are you going to go back and do this like spaced out uh, form of production? Or are you more interested in going back to like, more traditional, like, you know, five days on, two days off type thing for however many days you can afford? I'm interested in having more money. So, (laughs) (laughs) no, I mean, I mean that in the sense of like, look, like, (laughs) I feel like doing the extended amount of production for this project was so right because, because of the way we started it, because of even just how we got into it, because we were even only able to raise money because we had footage to sort of like send out to people. Like, I don't know if we would have been able to raise money without showing that we were already like into this process and like doing it regardless. Um, And honestly, like, because we were sort of reworking the script as we went, you know, even after we shot these first five musical days and then we took that two month break, even though we had the script out, we wrote, we rewrote the script after that. Like I watched the footage and I was like, yo, like I'm seeing, there's this like very clear thing happening in this footage that like in the way that we're acting and the way that we're responding together, that's not a part of the story. And we need to like address that. And like, you know, so I would say like, you know, if you have more money, it's maybe like, you're going to say, you're going to take the time. You're going to have a bigger team. You're going to do all of that development work like much farther ahead of time. And that's maybe going to make like having this straight shoot easier. Um, Yeah. But for, for this type of project, I, I love how we did it. I'm so happy that we did it this way. I think it's only as good as it is because we did it this way, because we didn't force it into like a binary amount of days. Um, But, you know, I I think if you had the money, Maybe. And then you have like the same crew, you know, you, you stick with the same crew. Like we, we, 
we had like a core crew that was the same, but we swapped out a lot of people. Like when people could come and be like, Hey, are you available? And they'd be like, no, but I want to come on the next one. Be like, great. These are the dates on the next one. (laughs) We'll hit you up then. Um, You know? Yeah. I don't know if that's that's a good answer. I think it's really a per project thing. Yeah, it's like it's per project, whatever serves this project the best. And like, even if you have a ton of money, like some projects do shoot in units, it's just more structured and you have that money to support those units versus like needing to do new units because you also need to raise the money. Right, right, right. We're going back in time. This is what we're doing. Um, Well, and um, the work, the question I'm working out has to do with the division between you two and your goals for sustainability. So I'm just trying to figure out, I mean, I understand there's this side production company, Stacey, that you have, but that's not Besties Make Movies. And so Besties Make Movies is the company between you two, correct? And can you talk Mm -hmm. a little bit about the formation of your company coming together and then the division of the labor between you two? Yeah. Well, so Stacey has WeWoo Productions with her partner, Donnie, um, which they do more commercial and corporate kind of stuff. And then Besties was, we worked, the first time we worked together was on Landing Up, which was the first feature where I helped produce and I had a small role in the film. And that was awesome. Like we really loved working together. And like for me watching Stacey and Donnie's collaborative spirit and just, you know, the way Stacey can like be acting one second and producing the next second. I was like, this is goals. This, like, I need this person in my life forever. Um, And then we worked on a couple more things together, including Big Exit, which is a feature we produced. And at the end of that feature, while we were actually at the same studio where we shot the pool scene, but it had a different name then, um, we were like, let's make this official and like, let's start a company together. And that company, you know, would serve to support us both in our goals. Um, and that included like everyone we love, like Donnie and Jay and, you know, everybody that's been super awesome to work with that, you know, we think is brilliant. Um, so we've used that as our create, as our narrative. Yes. And yeah. So besties does narrative work. Um, how do we divide leave? I think we just like, you know, we do a lot of, there was a time in which we were really like churning out a lot of content and. I think we try to honor each other's like, this is what like, we because we each have our own personal goals for like what we want out of our career, which is different than how we think about the company necessarily, though we do try to like honor each other's personal goals within Besties Make Movies. Um, and yeah, you know, we, I think, I think we just respect each other's time. I'm like, you know, like if we have things to do and I'm like, look, like I'm totally slammed. Like I can't, and you'll take it up and you'll be like, no, I totally can't. Like, can you take this up? I'll be like, yes, I'll, I got you. You know, like, I think that that's just sort of how we split it. I don't know that there's like a clear division of labor so much as we just like try to do everything. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, oh I'm no, like- okay. Wait, no, I have a better answer to that. I feel like if you really want to think about it, I do a lot more of like the technical, like, like if we need, like, like I edit a lot. So like, if we need things cut, like I do those things. Like I do a lot of like, I do a lot of technical things that need to happen with filmmaking. Mars does a lot of the like producing behind the scenes, like stuff that, you know, absolutely has to happen that people give no love for, but Mars deserves a lot of love for doing all that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and also it's changed like before uh, when we first started the company, like Stacy was not yet, 
she hadn't yet picked up editing. So we would do a lot more of the producing together, like just the nuts and bolts, like line producing and all that sort of stuff. And like, we also, when we take on a project, we both give notes on the script, for example. But then if it's like a project I wrote and I'm acting in, like Stacy might edit it, she might direct it. She'll definitely produce it with me. Um, and then if it's a project Stacy's directing, like I'll definitely produce it and I might act in it. But like basically whatever serves that story and that project um, and how we can be supportive of each other's dreams. So like also when we started Besties, Stacy was more actor writer and now Stacy is more on the director writer path. Um, and I'm more on the actor producer path. Um, so just figuring out like how to make sure that that company, that the company is supporting us while also like doing the good that we want in the world, which is like uplifting uh, people that have been historically excluded, which is like telling stories about queer people, um, about women, things like that. And also shout out to Jackie Schwartz, who we met and fell in love with her. She has similar missions and she has now joined the company as a producer and as our head of development, actually. And she, you know, we wouldn't be where we are without her. Um, just, this is really great. And just to follow up to this, I'm just thinking of if you're an independent creator and you're trying to level up, it sounds like that's what you're doing with this company. You found someone who is like-minded, who you agree on, who you drive with, and then you create like an infrastructure around yourself, but are you taking fees for projects? Like, um, and are you leveling up through, through this company? Yeah. So that's the goal. I mean, I really feel like, like triple threat was really the first time that the film was majority financed by like investors. Um, and that was largely due to us bringing like Jackie on board and the relationships that Mars and I have made over the years of like traveling the festival circuit with our shorts where we like developed relationships with people and then sort of like, you know, reached out to say, hey, like, you know, we've sort of known each other for a while. Are you interested in like hearing more about this film and maybe like coming on board to, as an executive producer? Um, you know, so so it's it it has been a lot of like relationship building over the last several years and then sort of like using those relationships, you know, now it's like our goal is to you know make our money back on triple threat so we can show our investors that you know it's safe to invest with us in the next project um our goal like sometimes we do there are projects that we do take fees for um like even like big exit mars brought up like that was somebody that that was this like british guy who reached out who like found me online and was like i want you to like produce my feature like i want to film it in new york and i was like who are you? Like, what is this? Um, and then I asked Mars if they wanted to like do this project. And he ended up like hiring us to basically, he had no infrastructure in New York. Um, he was like totally based in Britain, in the UK. And um, we basically put together like the entire New York crew. We settled like all the locations. We hired the casting director. Like we we basically like pulled the whole thing together. And so like, that's an example of a project that like we do to like people hire us and we take fees for um, mm -hmm. to do that stuff, um, which is also through besties, but you know, different than when it's like our own film that like we're developing, I guess. So, yeah. you know, you're, you're saying that you both have projects that you'll bring to each other or bring to besties to make, like, how do you guys decide which one you're going to push forward? You know, if like you both have a movie that you guys want to, get done like how is that 
converse, how does that conversation go, you know? I mean, I think it depends on what is actually producible with what we have or what we think we can get, right? So, so like, most of it, so far, I haven't written any features. Um, I'm co-writing one right now with Jeffrey Weber, but I think it's, yeah, I think it's knowing, like, what is possible. So, like, if Stacy, when Stacy had this idea, it was, like, this this project does really, like, it is our mission. Like, it is putting women and queer people front and center, center. It is talking, it is subverting a narrative that is like so important to us about, you know, women just want to have babies and why would a man want a baby and all these things. And like exploring that I think was so fulfilling to Stacy, and it was just as fulfilling to me as it was to her and to Jackie. Like this was, yeah, like it was a bullseye for all of us. So I think in those situations, it's a no brainer. I don't think we've yet been in a position where it's like we have two films that are ready to go at the same exact time <laughs> that are both no-brainers and like let's rock paper scissors for it <laughs> and these days like we're much you know we're very careful about like outside projects that we take on like people have approached us and you know we've said like no that's like not something that we want to take on right now um we do like we did take on we're doing a series in october it's called mashed and you know this the writer sent us the script and I was just like, this is so good. Like, I want to do this project. Like, I don't even care. Like, what's the budget? Like, I want to do this project. It's really good. And, you know, Mars and Jackie agreed. And so, you know, we, we took the project on and um, I'm directing it and Mars is producing and has a role in it. Um, and it's, yeah. So, so, you know, when, when we see things, if people come to us and it, it's not something that like we, initially wrote like we do come on like this project you know we're very heavily involved in the development of it and the rewrites of it in um in like basically taking it now from like the ground up into the production of it um and so we're really able to like give our attention to those ones that we like do decide to go with and take on um rather than like there was a while where we were just turning out like we were really turning out like a lot of content and something in the pandemic taught us was to like breathe and like maybe it's okay to not produce like what was that summer that we literally within the span of like six weeks saw, shot like four different short films like it was it was a lot it was a lot it was like it was like a whole summer. identity change over the pandemic like going from people you know something people always say to us is like you're so prolific you make so many projects like you're always at festivals you always have something new coming out and like during the pandemic we did have like a short film two weeks that had started doing the festival circuit. And like, I was really just devastated because it premiered at Oxford and I was really excited to go. And then it went virtual. Um, but re- being like, wow, I haven't been on set. Like I'm not on set. I don't have like anything to talk about. Could like what, not that I don't have anything to talk about, but just like <laughs> that identity of being like, okay, let's focus more on developing things and like making sure that the company is still Cause it's so easy to forget that like Stacy wants to be a director primarily and like I want to act and it's easy to just focus on like let's turn things out let's turn things out and then remembering like we're also whole people that are making this company happen um and reevaluating that and figuring out how to make sure that the company is still supporting us which then led to saying like we have to sometimes turn things down even if it is like the most awesome like story that we really love but we need to understand that our energy and resources are not infinite and we have to be mindful about how we use them um but also like you said the how do we decide what moves forward like even 
before the pandemic, Jackie was producing a series called Sideways Smile that we were not hands-on producing. And she still went and produced it and she produced it as part of Besties. And that was another, like, that's something that we do as well. It doesn't always have to be all of us on every project. Like if one of us is really passionate about it, we can yeah. still totally do it. I'm struck right now. And I, maybe it's the same point that I brought up a few minutes ago, but it's like, let's say, you know, filmmakers are listening and they're just like, I'm just trying to get my projects off the ground, but you're thinking bigger than that. And it feels like the beginning of, um, you know, it's like empire building is what you're talking about. And empire building starts, I'm not saying you're at a small stage, you've done a lot, but it starts from like a kernel, right? So I guess, um, what, what got you the confidence to get to this point? Is it just having the extra, I'm, I'm, I don't know, is Jackie bringing capital as well, or is it just the extra teammate and, or is it just the fact that you two can sustain a lifestyle that you can produce content all the time? And I'm trying to figure out like the leap from, I'm just trying to get my independent feature off the ground to like, I'm building an empire. And I think it's the fact that we have made a lot of small things together. And we learned how to work together really, really well. And we know that we can make something with very little money, whether we want to or not. Like we know that we can. So when we take on a project, we know that everything we get is extra. And then we like make use of that. So when Jackie came on, she not only brought on new contacts that wanted to like help us finance things, but she also like did hands-on producing and So we've sort of like been training for these projects in a sense and like making these relationships. The one, the one of our first investors in triple threat, we met him at, um, I think it was still called ITVF then, but catalyst when Misha Calvera was hosting a panel and she invited us to screen, uh, the sizzle for our pilot linked as part of the panel. And this guy saw it there and he was like, let's have coffee. Like, I'm not interested in EPing anything but let's just have coffee. And we had coffee a few times and we're like, hey, like this is a lot of coffees for someone that's not interested in working with us. And so he's like, let's do it. So he like, you know, it really is like, that's how we did it is like, we try to, we don't just want to uplift ourselves. Like for us, like we mean it when we say like, we want this to be a community thing. We want to like help everyone around us. And I think that people see that. And that is what one of the things that attracts them to working with us. I think too, like something I'll add is that one of the reasons that we have been able to do what we've done is that we both, I mean, between me, Mars and Donnie, who like really works a a lot, very, very closely with us, we do a lot of things. Like we are like, we in like, and when I say that, like in the, in terms of like what we can do to put a movie together, like, you know, like the directing the shooting the editing the production designing the line producing you know budgeting scheduling like ading if we have to running sound if we have to, like we have the ability to do a lot of things because along the way like there was a point in which I was like okay you know like the first the very first short film I ever made it was a $700 budget like I put in $350 and Jay put in $350 and that was the first short film I ever directed and you know, between like when you are like, okay, this is all the money we have. This is all the money that like we can afford at the, and that was like years ago now, you know, but like that you can put in, it's like, okay, well, I need to know how to do a lot of things. So like, you know, I started teaching myself how to do a lot of things. Mar started learning how to do 
a lot of things. We're also willing to, you know, Mars talked about earlier, like even when we were filming Triple Threat, like I think 99% of the days, I think there was like maybe one or two days where Mars and I didn't meet like two hours before set to pick up the truck and pick up breakfast for everybody. Like (laughs) we literally, there were days when like we had a late, we wrapped late the night before. And so we still needed to start at the time that we had scheduled because we only had the space for a certain amount of hours, but we needed to call the crew later. So like literally Mars and I would get to set we loaded like our entire giant truck full of gear in just the two of us. Like, you know, we carried all the cases inside. We set it all up. We set up all the breakfast. Like we had everything set up when the rest of the crew arrived. So again, like that's really hard. That's, and so I think that like, if people are asking like, how do you do this? Like we were just willing to be sore and tired and get our hands dirty. And we wanted to do it so badly. Like we wanted to make this movie so badly that like, we had fun doing it too. I mean, it was a struggle. Like I, I'm not going to lie and say it wasn't a struggle, but it was fun, you know, and like, because like we called our company besties make movies because we're best friends. If we have a great time together, like we, we laugh, we make jokes. We would like, you know, Mars would be driving the truck and I would be like making stupid videos, <laughs> like driving over like the bridge. I don't know, you know? So it's like finding people it's, it's finding your tribe. It's saying like, I love you. I am okay. Spending like 18 hours <laughs> with you to like make this happen to like get sweaty and you know then we're gonna go sleep for like two weeks <laughs> you know like to do it maybe that's and it. I, I, something that like I've along that mindset like I do want to say that that is within reason of what you are physically able to do like totally understand yes. some people are not physically capable of doing those things so this is not blanket advice for everyone um but yeah, like, like Stacy and I being two people that are like, I'll carry anything. I'll wake up anytime that I have to like to make my dreams come true. And I don't think that's sustainable forever. <laughs> but while we have the energy to do that, like that's, yeah, we're like, we will do anything. Yeah, but that's takes. how we got it off the ground. And, and just to put a, and I will shut up Alric, I swear, but um, to put a finer point on it, no one's, or at least I'm not insinuating that um, you're not hard workers. It's that I think filmmakers are often very insulated in a way that they just think I got to get this project done. They're not thinking about world domination. And I feel like that's built into your plan right now. So I'm just trying to think, but it sounds like it's just like hard work. <laughs> like that's yeah. I think world domination is hard work. You know, like, I think that we do think bigger. I think also like over like filming triple threat, like I think all along the way it's been, every project has been, the next project we've done has been bigger than the one before it has gotten more things, has had more people involved, has had, has been more pro- like produced in an aspect to it. And that's because like, you know, we, you know, in a way, not in a way, filmmaking has to be sustainable at some point, you know, if it's something that you're going to call your career. I mean, I, I'm, I'm lucky in the sense that I feel like I, I work in film full time on like the, the, the other side of it, like the, the branded side of it. Um, And so that has allowed me to be able to say like, okay, like I can do projects in this way. Um, But yeah, I think we've always talked about how, how can filmmaking, how can doing these narrative projects that we love that give us so much joy, be something that's sustainable. 
And, you know, to think and thinking about it in that way. Um, to not just say like, you know, because it's, it's always the argument, right? Of like art for art's sake or art as a business. Um, I think art is, it, it can be both, both have love, but like, I think we do think about it as like a business in some ways. Yeah, for sure. And like this business is so hard um, because you have to be able to work so much for free in order to gain the experience or learn how to do a thing and to even to fucking PA and sweep the floor. What, what other films have you worked on? You know, like you get that so much. Um, like, sorry, I've swept my own house. I don't, I don't know what you want me to say. I can, I, I buy myself coffee. I have texted myself, like, you know, like what qualifications do you need? Anyway, like you need so much of that experience. And we are both very fortunate that we have been able to like you know, we do come from that place of privilege where we have had the time to like volunteer on somebody's set so that they can volunteer on our set and doing things like that, like bartering and teaching ourselves how to do these things. Um, that's been super helpful. We're part of a film collective called The Film Shop. Like we've met a lot of great people that are super supportive through that. That would like, we would go to their sets, they would come to our sets. Um, there's just so much that you don't even think about. But then also, I think part of the reason we think of this as like a world dominating thing is because the stories that we really want to tell are stories that are not being told. And so we know how shitty it is to like, you know, not see a story where a woman is unapologetically after her career. We know how shitty it is to not see a story about asexual people. We know like uh, MASH, the series we're working on is about vaginismus and pelvic pain. It's like that story is not being told. So like, inherently by telling these stories about people like you are going to change the world and make it hopefully better for people and give them a chance to say like I don't even have the words to tell you about this thing but maybe you can watch this movie and like understand me a little bit better you know like I just think that that's inherent in what we care about so, so just to follow up on the sustainability part um Stacey you mentioned that you know you have your your day job working in branded content and stuff but Mars for you what do you do to to pay the bills you know um when you're not making movies with festivities I mostly I'm not gonna lie I used to work like four jobs all the time now I'm very fortunate <laughs> to have a husband that supports me and I because of that I can put all of my time into besties and acting um yeah I'm very very fortunate <laughs> in that way like this is not a place I thought I would ever be in in my life um but I also think that that makes me work harder because I feel like I need I, I have so much like mental stuff around this but like I I'm trying to fix this in my thinking but I'm like I need to compensate for not having to have a day job like I need to be working every possible second to like make my acting or my producing or my writing career you know, feasible. Um, yeah, well, and there so. were times that like, you know, there were only things that were able to happen because you had that kind of time. I mean, like I was working full time, even when we were shooting triple threat, like I never had really like time off to like, even on shoot days, like I had to deal with stuff for, because we run our, you know, like we were productions, like is my, me and my partner's business, like we run our own business. So like, if we're not paying attention to it, we're not making money, you know? And like, that is, um, you know, that's something that has to sustain us. And so like, there were times, even like on set, like we were having to take calls because he was shooting the movie and I'm directing the movie, obviously, like, you know, we were having to also deal with like clients <laughs> who were in touch with us and who we had to like arrange things. And we had to like, 
Like I was editing one day, like I had to come home and finish an edit like that I had to submit because they were waiting for a new draft of something. And I edited until like one in the morning and then like (laughs) went to set the next day, you know? And that's another thing of like, yeah, it was, it was, it was tiring. (laughs) Uh, But, but I'll say that like, because, you know, Mars was so helpful in that I was like, look, like, can you take this off the plate? Like, can you, you know, arrange these things that like I can't do because like I need to do like this other thing and like Mars is like you know the most generous when it comes to that nice I think we have to do final five but Ulrich do you have any last questions no no it's just uh you know like it's awesome to hear your your work ethic because I think like that's like the thing that you know really I think is the key to filmmaking is like people who have strong worth ethics seem to do well and seem to make their films and, or people who are just extremely determined. <laughs> so, you know, yeah, it's just sort of in line with my thinking, hearing your stories of, you know, do, doing the breakfast, picking up the truck. It's like the stuff you got to do when you're in the, in the independent filmmaker, you know, it's just, uh, just how it is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, also like using just your own resources. Like we shot at uh, both of our apartments so much for all of our projects. And yeah. like yeah. my uh, my partner would like be like this is the last time and I'd be like yeah sure it is, <laughs> is it? <laughs> of course yeah I, I got two movies in my old apartment um I don't know if I'll get one in this house maybe I think so at least out front at least out front <laughs> uh all right so we want both of you to answer each question uh, what's the first film you ever made and how do you feel about it now oh my god my first movie was um called teamwork like wolves. I had the idea for it. Um, it's It was basically like Broad City before Broad City happened, but it was supposed to be about these like two girls that got all of their jobs off of Craigslist and were just like trying to sustain themselves that way. And Sydney Kay, who's done a lot of graphic design work for Besties, who is not an actor or a filmmaker at all, but she was she is my best friend and roommate. And I was like, guess what? We're making this now. So we shot that and I had no idea what I was doing. Our main location was this deli and they like gave me a verbal confirmation and we showed up to shoot and they're like, what the hell are you talking about? And then like convincing them. I'm very happy with how it turned out. It's on YouTube. If you are, uh, you know, going to creep, it's there for you to creep on it. Um, really, so I come from a theater background. Um, I went to NYU for drama. Um, after I graduated from NYU, I I went and I lived in uh, Tel Aviv for two years. And I had been producing theater. Like I sort of realized when I was at NYU that I wasn't, this is getting somewhere, I promise, that I wasn't like happy just auditioning for other people's stuff. So I had actually, I spent the first two years after I graduated, like producing theater, developing theater pieces in the city, like performing them like off, off Broadway. We would we would raise money and, um, you know, get black boxes and like put on shows. Um, when I went to Tel Aviv, I met Donnie, he's Israeli. And um, he was in film school at the time and he was making his thesis film. And I was like, you know, I produce theater. Like I could produce a movie, you know, I wouldn't know about anything. <laughs> um, and so I helped him produce his like thesis short film for film school. And I helped, there was like a, a sexual um, assault scene in the film. And I helped like kind of choreograph that with him and watching how these things came out on camera was just like mind blowing to me. I was like, oh my God. And when you're like, theater is like, 
staying wide the whole time, you know, like it's like you're in a wide shot for two hours. And on film, I was like, oh, so you can you tell people where to look. And like, that's so fun. <laughs> I just fell so much in love with the art of it. And I really, I think the movie is beautiful. It's it's streaming on Seed and Spark still, I think. Um, it's called Guides. It's, um, yeah, I'm really, I'm really proud of him and that film and to have like work on it and to have that. And what was crazy was like, I speak Hebrew now, like fairly fluently, but I didn't speak Hebrew then. And the whole thing was in Hebrew. And I was just like, yeah, I can totally produce a movie in the language I don't speak. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's hilarious. Um, what's the best filmmaking advice you've ever received? I feel like I don't remember concisely, but something along the lines of like, just not being afraid to fail, you know? And I think my addendum to that would be starting small so that the consequences aren't massive. Like when I made Teamwork Like Wolves, nobody gave a shit about it but me <laughs> and my friend. <laughs> and it was just for fun to like, have a creative outlet and that has led to all of this being here with y'all making movies with my best friend like hopefully making the world a better place you know I was gonna say you still don't be afraid to fail the first thing that came to my head was to hang your rejection letters on the wall um and <laughs> for like my first project I did do that I don't do that anymore but rejection is so much a part of this business you know like I feel like we get wins and they're amazing. And then you get like 10 failures or so-called, you know, like, and it, I feel like every now and then one will actually sting, but for the most part, it's just sort of like, that's the nature of the business. And it doesn't mean that you're not talented. It doesn't mean that like, okay, I have a better way to put it is make, make fans, not sales. And like, even now there's companies who, you know, they still haven't bought a project from us, but they'll come to us and say like, what do you have? And it, it's about like, like they're a fan. And so, you know, someday we'll find the right project someday like that. I hope I, I believe will like actually go through, but like, you know, you might get told by the same person who might really like you 10 times. No, like this isn't the project for me. This isn't, we can't develop it right now. We can't buy it right now but that doesn't mean that they don't like you or like your work or like what you have to say. It just has to be the right fit at the right time. And this business is so much about being the right fit at the right time in the right moment. And to believe that, to believe that that is going to come for you. Can I add one thing to that? Um, I love that advice from Stacey so much because after I make teamwork like wolves, um, I put it online and like some people like shadow over it. You know, like, I'm not saying it was great at all, but I let that stop me from making anything for another like year or two where like, I should have just been like, not everyone's going to like it. Even if everyone hates it, I learned something. How can I apply that to the next thing? So just knowing there's going to be haters regardless of what you do. Um, I hung my film school rejection letters uh, from the refrigerator. They were like all, they covered the refrigerator. Um, <laughs> what are your goals as a filmmaker? Um, my goals, I want to, you know, I, I really want to like write and direct and direct things I don't write and write things I don't direct, you know, like on, but on a, <laughs> on a larger level, you know, like, I think we say a lot, like the dream is to be something like killer films, like making the, that type of content that is really powerful and um, sustainable 
And, you know, that, that, that there's projects where, you know, maybe we're not directly involved, but our company is producing it. And maybe like Mars will be off like acting in something and I'll be directing a feature, but like the company is still like sustaining and as we've built it to be that way. Um, yeah. What about you, Mars? Yeah, I would say similar. I would love to like act in things I don't write and write, like also act in things I do write and then not necessarily act in things I write while having besties still like functioning, like Stacy said, and still like, you know, eventually I'd love to like be able to give grants to people and support filmmakers in that way too as besties and just like, yeah, keep finding innovative ways um, to, you know, change the landscape and open the door for more people and keep sending the elevator back down and just producing dope shit with my favorite people. Amen. Um, if you could go back in time, what's one piece of advice you would give yourselves? Well, one piece. <laughs> I'm stumped by all these <laughs> questions. <laughs> okay, my advice would be that you, so I am an addict and for me, like part of, I didn't even realize that I was an alcoholic until like after I was sober for like three years and like I uncovered stuff through that sobriety. But basically I think my main takeaway is like, you are not defined by your mistakes. You know, like I never thought I would be a fucking like filmmaker, you know, I just thought I'd be like, a grungy street rat in New York City bartending in a bikini like because I had nothing to offer and being on the other side of that now is yeah it's like beyond my wildest dreams like every day I'm like oh my god <laughs> like I get to do this every day and there are hard days and I have a lot of like mental health issues but every day I get up and I put one foot in front of the other which I wouldn't be able to do if I didn't make mistakes that like you know, if everything went right, would I end up with Stacey as my partner in my creative and personal life? Probably not. So like everything happens for a reason and just like keep fucking going. Keep going. Um, that's so beautiful. Um, yeah, I guess I, I wish that somebody had told me when I was like even younger, you, you know, I think that like Gen Z now is so lucky to have like to have been brought up with in the time of like Me Too and Time's Up and the the movements that have happened. I feel like when I was in school and coming up, it was before a lot of that. And I feel like it took me a really long time to um, have a voice to say that like I have a story and I want to tell it and I'm and I'm gonna tell it. And I would like wait for other people to come around or like I'd produce things and then I'd have ideas and I'd be like doesn't anyone want to write this and eventually people were like why don't you write it and I'd be like I'm allowed to it's like no you know I don't know I feel like I waited a long time for permission and when I finally stopped waiting and just started doing um everything changed and everything happened and you know I met Donnie I met Mars like I, I found my tribe of people but like it, it took, I would say the advice is like, give yourself permission to write that story, to go out and make it and make it badly. Even if, it, you know, like write something that maybe isn't very good because maybe the next thing you write will be good, but you'll never know if you don't start. And um, yeah, giving yourself permission. I feel like a lot of that has been given in <laughs> recent years and that we used to be taught to keep our mouth shut. 
I'm tired of that. Yeah, you couldn't even be a multi-hyphenate back then and be like, if you're an actor, don't tell anyone else you do anything else. If you're a producer, don't tell anybody you act. Yeah. Like, don't tell anyone you direct. I'm getting so emotional right now, but I got to be there when Stacey did her first directing thing, which is like a project we created together. Like, it's so fucking fulfilling. Oh my God. Like, yeah, what? Yeah, I moved. <laughs> Our last question. Is making movies hard? but so worth it it's so hard but so fun and it's yeah I mean I think even with a lot of money it's hard but like because if it's not hard like if you don't put in that hard work then maybe you don't really know what you're doing you know and maybe you're just somebody who was lucky and got a lot of money but you don't really know what you're doing with it and we've all seen those movies like, let's see, I've seen those movies at like major festivals and I'm like, why and how, you know? <laughs> like, <laughs> Who is your daddy and what does he do? It's a really great film. <laughs> but uh, no, yeah, but it's hard, but it's the best, especially when you're doing it with your bestie. Um, you am- all with love. Amazing. <laughs> so uh, if people want to learn more about you, where should they go? Just to your website? Do you have a Twitter? Where's the best place? We have all the things. We have a website. It's bestiesmakemovies.com. We have Instagram at bestiesmakemovies. Twitter is at bestiesmovies. No make for, because for some reason that was not available on Twitter. Um, We also both have uh, personal socials, which are easily Googleable and findable. Thank you for being on the show. Thanks for having us. All right, Liz. What was your favorite part of talking with Stacy and Margarita? I I've been saying this to a lot of people lately, so maybe I'm just meeting a lot of empire builders. But I remember telling them that they were building an empire, and they were like, "Yes, they, this is very obvious to me." Um, but that's always incredibly impressive to me. I feel like you get when you start to want to go in this industry and you start to want to make movies, you only have the capacity to think about one project at a time. And I'm really interested in talking now to all those people who are like, no, I have to think 10 years down the line. I have to think 20 years down the line. I think that's what they're doing. So that's what I remember. Well, I'm going to counter that because I remember you saying that. And I remember thinking to myself, like, are they really building an empire? Because to me, it just seems like they're two filmmakers who have joined forces together and they're doing things as a team. And to me, it's not necessarily like that they're really building an empire. It's just more that they're teaming up and they're doing things not alone. Because I think as like individual filmmakers... Like, they're not doing anything much different than we are. They're just, you know, sourcing projects, like, you know, lining things up. I mean, shit, Liz, you're attached to, like, 40 movies right now. You've got more (laughs) projects in the works than both of them combined do. So, I mean, I would almost say, like, who's empire building? Really, Liz, you know? Um, It just seems that way when you have a partner. So I think, like, what what I've been seeing a lot lately through the podcast is all these wonderful partners that we've had on the show, like, from the brother filmmakers to, like, just the co-director of filmmakers to, you know, Bessie's Make Movies, like these people who are joining forces, they have so much more power and ammunition than someone like I or you do who are just doing it alone. And I wish I had someone who wanted to collaborate with me like that. I mean, I have one friend who is almost there. It's just that he just doesn't want to do it together. He wants to do it on his own. That's fine. You know, do it on your own. Cool. You don't want a partner. You know, that's cool. Uh, but I mean, if he had been interested, like we would have partnered 10 years ago and God knows where we would be now if, uh, if that was what he wanted to do. I actually asked 
to be part of his production company a million trillion years ago and he was like no <laughs> so does he listen to the show he does to get the idea i mean okay yeah. so maybe he's gonna come back i don't know dude like i mean we've talked about this many times uh i know that he just that's just his where he's at that's fine um so uh anyways but yeah i just well, that's so, <laughs> go ahead liz <laughs> You present a very interesting counter, but I do think empires start with what they're doing, which is like diversifying content, not just working on independent fictional fe fiction features. It's um, it's having access to equipment. It's doing three. Th I mean, the fact that Stacy was like, "I'm going to learn how to edit. I'm going to learn how to this. I'm going to." I mean, that I think is is the kernel of empire building, but. Um, but what I wanted to mention, because as you're talking about it, I realized without even meaning to, we are issuing our response to the string of brother filmmaking teams that we had done in the past few months, right? So this is like, they may not be sisters, but these are besties and they are not two dudes. Uh, so it's, I think that's great. Yeah. Good job. Good job us. <laughs> no, it's cool that just to see that there's so many different types of partnerships that you, that you can have, you know, like it doesn't have to be a blood relation as the core of it. Although that, you know, obviously that helps, you know, if, as long as you get along with your sibling. Um, <laughs> I, I don't think we've ever had a brother sister filmmaking a team on before. I don't even know if I've ever heard of a brother sister filmmaking team. Have you? I just talked to one today. Really? But they're not, um, they're producer director, and of course the woman's the producer. So oh, I mean, like, course. I'm so frustrated with that. <laughs> um, it's, like, it's like every, I don't know. I, going to USC, let me just say, like every male director had their like wife produce their content. Like I just am so frustrated with that. Well, I think, so counter to that, I think it's funny that like that is annoying to you because I think it's beautiful when husbands and wives work together on their movies. Um, I tried to get my wife to do that with me. She did two days and then she's like, I'm never doing it ever again. This is terrible. Yeah. Uh, to be I, fair, I, I tried to do I the same it. thing to Sean. <laughs> Yeah. Sean was like, you're not fun to work with. <laughs> like, he didn't explicitly say that, but he also just wanted to like sit and watch movies. He didn't want to do the work. Um, yeah. Granted, I, it's okay. a terrible amount of work to like, you know, production coordinate or produce a short film. It's like, yeah. Right. And, and they had, you know, she had no idea what she was getting into. So. <laughs> Well, I love that you see it in that more holistic way. I, of course, see it as like the political repercussions of like women serving men and mm. like women servicing a, man, a man's vision. But ultimately, you're right. If you think of the producer, which you should, as the creative, as a creative head, just as important as the director, then it's very cool. And they're partners. I just always think of it as like some dude protecting his vision and then just being like hey wifey can you help me do some permits and I, that's what i hate mm. is this kind of like sidelining the work um to the extra labor that you have access to i mean i also say that i i've known a lot of really amazing women producers so i don't know if women are just like better producers than men sometimes or if that's part of it too but i mean women yeah. rock as producers, like they really have their shit yeah. together. <laughs> so because we're, I don't we're know. the best. Yeah, I um, mean, but they also rock as directors too. So I mean, I don't know, but like, yeah, you think of like Deborah Snyder and Zack Snyder, right? It's like you know, does Deborah want to direct? Probably not. She probably just happy producing, you know. But maybe I'm wrong. Oh, maybe Deborah's being yeah. oppressed by Zack's super success as a this you know crazy filmmaker. <laughs> 
I mean, no, you're fine. And also, I'm definitely projecting on to all these women my own personal dreams of being a director, which is really unfair to all But you're not a producer, though. It's not like you produce for other people and you're, like, you know, no. breaking out. Like, you, you are a director. You did break, you know. You, I guess you just hate seeing it happen to other people. I don't know. I just want all people to do what they want to do. <laughs> <laughs> so. Oh, um, man. Well, this has been yeah. amazing. But, Liz, I have to pester you with more questions on uh, a soap yeah. dish. I'm Lori Craven, and I'm an actress. An actress? Really? How nice for you. I'm Betsy Faye Sharon, and I'm a bitch. So, yeah. So, you know, as you know, Liz, and I hope hopefully most of the listeners know, I'm, you know, in the midst of promoting my uh, first feature in its festival run. Uh, we're premiering at the Dances with Films Film Festival, as I say at the beginning of every episode lately, just to really make sure you guys don't forget. Um, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, I just finished the movie yesterday. I just sent it off uh, to the DCP company. It's all done. I still have to make a trailer, but at this point, like the actual creative work on the movie is finished. So you know, I'm trying to figure out like what to where to focus my energy. You know, as the movie is getting ready to premiere, like. I don't know. Am I am I like reaching out to everybody I know to like try to review the movie? Like, am I emailing every um, publication in Los Angeles to like cover my film? Am I like trying to get on every podcast to like shout about my movie? Like, what am I doing at this stage? I'd save all of those things for your <laughs> national release. Um, okay, so um, I well, I'm like nervous that I'm being brash and saying that now. Um, so I think of labor as a finite resource, right? Emotional labor, time, labor, whatever. Everything that you have, these are finite resources. So while Dances with Films is a fantastic festival, it doesn't have a nationwide footprint unless you're part of the virtual screening contingency. And if you are, you may actually want to save those resources Okay, so basically, you're going to have a limited number of people who may check out your film in life. It, it just means, like, it may be 50 million people, but it's going to be limited. It's not unlimited. And so I would spend all your labor and money and energy when you're getting a piece of the pie back. So there's a lot of press that's not going to cover Dances with Films because, you know, it's it's – a great festival but it's like one screening per film right so like why are they going to review the film that plays one time because their readership is not going to return to read the review for another screening does that make sense yeah like, no it's totally just not worth their effort um and unless you have a publicist i wouldn't approach press and put that effort forth right now i would wait until you either have a top tier festival, and I'm sorry that's elitist, but that is my perspective, or you have a digital release timeline. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I've been thinking about this just for myself, but also because we've been getting a few emails from people who have movies that dances with films trying to get them on the podcast. And my brain yeah. tells me this it's like, Ulrich. Like, well, why would they want to be on my podcast right now? Like, like, there's not because they were told to do that. Like, there's, there's no, like, there's no, like, like you just said, there's no money returned for them in it. Like, it's like just yeah. to talk about the film at this film festival, which when the podcast comes out, it may or may not come out before the film festival is, you know, right. and like, like, why are you using that like 
piece of your power now. Like I'm not going off to all my uh, podcasting friends and being like, please have me on your show now. Please have me on your show now. Because like I I did that when I was doing the crowdfunding and I think that actually got returned. Like I think I was on four podcasts like during my crowdfunding campaign. And I think like I got at least maybe one person to put in money per podcast at least. So that was worth it, right? You know, like you get one backer per podcast appearance. It's like, okay, that's huge. Um, so I would, I was thinking to myself, like, I'm not going to bother reaching out to my, to my, you know, podcasting people until the movie's out and it's for sale, you know? And like, just, that was sort of my thought. So when I saw this, I was like, huh, are they thinking about this too? (laughs) Or are they just not thinking about that? And it's different. Like we get, yeah, just like you're saying, we get pitched films from Dances with Films every single year. And we're also like, well, I don't know. Like, is it really worth our time to cover them? Because we're trying to get new audiences too. And if this is a film that's just starting its festival run or doesn't really have an impression on the marketplace, what are we getting out of that conversation in terms of marketing? So it's, it right. goes two ways. I do think, though, just so there's a little bit of context, when I do sales or consulting for a film, I use one sheets a lot. And those one sheets are comprised of a pull quote, some stats on the potential audience, some key art. Like there's a lot, it's like essentially your film's resume. And it's hard to get pull quotes if you don't have any reviews. Mm. And if you're not reaching out to reviewers and you don't have a publicist, you just kind of have to see if bloggers come to a screening Mm. or if press is drawn to your film from the log line in the teaser. Yeah, well, because that was my plan was to uh, like put all my energy in promoting the, the film festival. Like, you know, do Facebook, make sure people know about it, like do an invite, you know, make sure that my people who know me and like all the people who support the movie that they all know the screening's happening so they can come if, they, if they're they available or if they're in Los Angeles. And then invite all my Los Angeles friends and whatever that stuff. But, uh, but really to put the energy to getting reviews. Like I was just gonna try to like reach out to every like single blog or website or publication, especially Los Angeles based ones and just try to get them to review the movie. Um, but you're saying maybe not now, huh? Like maybe it's not the best time. I mean, I did the same thing. Like, so what you do is when you get into a festival, you ask the festival for their press list. Mm-hmm. If it's a bigger festival, they have a department that is like the press relations department. And if it's smaller, they usually just have a list of people that they go out to yeah. to get coverage for their festival, right? And I think I mentioned that they, to And you they have that for, D, for DWF. They have a press list. So I should just go through their press list and email yeah, all Yeah, I would people. just go through them. And, and like, you know, you it the smart thing to do would be customize each email. But yeah. you also recognize what is my limited resource right now, right? right? If you're exhausted and you don't have a lot of time, create a template, BCC, send it out. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I actually think reviews are less and less meaningful um, unless they come from national press. Mm. But a really good, thoughtful reviewer can make or break how your film is viewed. So if you find someone who really gets your film, even if they're from like the esoteric film reviewer blog.com, it doesn't matter because what you're, what you're, the cachet you're bringing to your one sheet or your pitch is their beautiful choice of words that mm-hmm. sums up your film. So, right. I mean, like for me, it was Bears Fonte who works out of Texas. Or, um, like, I have a few people that I think are really beautiful, well 
like really great writers and so I would go to them individually and see if they're willing to like craft up something that you can pull from for mm, your marketing. Mm-hmm. That's smart. But like unmass, like mass reaching out is not going to result in a ton of coverage because again, it's like one screening, right? So they're right. not benefiting from covering your film either. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, but if I get to them in advance or whatever, you know, and they're able to like publish it before the screening, it's like that might help, you know? Yeah, and if they do cover Dances with Films regularly, then mm-hmm. that's really... Yeah. Then, then you know that they're in your your ilk. Yeah, yeah. We just got emailed a list of press that were covering the opening night, um, you know, cool. gala or whatever. So like, I feel like yeah. all those people are probably no brainers just to email, be like, hey, my movie's yeah. premiering this time in the festival. Would you like to review it? Blah blah blah. I can send you a screener. And I was planning on not sending the screener in my first outreach, but just to like, right? Do not send the screener in the like, first outreach. Correct. Just out. Just like tell them about the movie. Give them a log line. Maybe give them the poster, maybe not the poster. Just like, you know, tell them a little bit about it. And then, you know, if they're interested, then send them the link after. Uh, And that's like general great career advice is like never give people what they have to ask for because like then you're then they're off and running. Right. (laughs) Then you have no control over what they're talking about and you don't even know if they're covering you at all. Right. Yeah. And you and you want it to be like more of something that you can track. And so, like, oh, these people yes. got back to me. He, these are the people I actually sent the link to. Like, let me follow up and, like, yeah. check and see if they get – because that's this. I did the same process with my short films, um, you know, and I got uh, a good amount of reviews for the first one and less for the second. It's amazing. But, um, but yeah, you know. Yeah. Uh, but, no, that's good advice. I, I wanted to ask you something else. Oh, you, so we had this conversation yeah. in email earlier last week where I was talking about making a trailer for my movie – and you were like, yeah. don't make a trailer, like in all caps. You're like, save it for later. Um, yeah. But like I'm being asked by every film festival for a trailer or something. Um, but like I feel like, and even my producer was like, you need to make a trailer like immediately. Um, but then you said teaser. And I think teaser is kind of what they were, at least my producer was probably thinking was more something short, you know? Um, yeah. So like this, I want to hear from you, you like what what's the difference between a trailer and a teaser and like what's okay to, to release while you're in your film festival run and what's not. Okay. If you, but you're an editor, right? So it's like you have the capability of editing multiple pieces. I am not an editor, so I have to outsource the work. So my perspective is if I have to hire someone to cut something for me, which is going to be an expense, um, I'm only going to do it once and I'm going to do it when I'm out to consumers. So the difference for me in a teaser and a trailer is a teaser is a more is more impressionistic and it's shorter. So I would say like a 30 second teaser trailer is probably what you want to do. Throw in your best shots, give people a sense of the genre. If it's a comedy, throw a joke in there. If it's sci-fi, throw in a little tech, you know, something that gives people a, a way to figure out what you are. And yes, of course, the the film festivals want one because that's how they sell tickets but but you're not getting a cut of the ticket sales (laughs) yet again it's like it only serves them it doesn't serve you if you had a ticket split with them that would motivate you to provide more assets to them anyway i'll get off my soapbox um and then distributors especially digital distributors who don't offer advances or mgs which is where a lot of filmmakers are when they release content very often do not cut a trailer for you and or they will outsource the cutting of a trailer and then they'll expense you for like $10,000. Yeah. 
Um, so I just think come at them with a finished polis per the trailer that you want, and then more money is going to come to you directly in distribution. Yeah. That's all good advice. I, I was thinking a one minute long trailer, not a 30 second trailer, just because, yeah, but whatever you want to do. Yeah. Um, but uh, that's really interesting. Um, you know, I feel like the thing that a film festival, film festival distributor, or not distributor, film festival person would say is like, oh, yeah, well, you might not be getting a cut of the, of the ticket sales, but don't you want your movie to have more eyeballs on it? And like, that's what the trailer sure. will help bring the eyeballs in. But you're just saying, you know, if you're not getting a piece of the pie, you know, don't. I'm saying if you're exhausted and you don't have a lot of money, pick and choose where you're going to put your effort. In an ideal world, you have a festival trailer and then you have a consumer trailer. Mm-hmm. I, uh, in an ideal world, you have a festival poster and you have a release poster. Mm-hmm. Like in an ideal world, you, you actually have assets throughout the entire release mm-hmm. of your film. And this is actually a movement that I'm noticing is that people want to start tracking the release of a film as of the festival instead of the consumer release. And that's really, sh- it should be how we look at it. Mm-hmm. We should look at the festival being your launch pad but unfortunately the marketplace sees it as this like preview Mm. like timeline Mm -hmm. or window and that's why it's weird where you you get request people request for assets but assets aren't really formalized until later so that's why there's that weird disconnect between festivals expecting you to have things but you being told you don't need them so I mean, you're an editor. You can definitely cut two things. I just right. wouldn't do it because I'm too cheap. What about um, posters and postcards for film festivals? Do you feel like you make one for each of your screenings and send them to the festival or and you know make sure you have a stack there that like people can grab or whatever? Or do you feel like that's just a waste of money and you know polluting the earth with extra flyers? I am very cheap. I'm a very cheap person. This is like the running thread of my life is my cheapness. <laughs> Um, I don't do postcards because I don't pick up postcards, right? Like I don't, um, when I'm trying to decide what I want to see, it is word of mouth for me. It is someone else at the festival saying, I just saw this, you got to see it. Mm-hmm. I've never based off a decision off of what a postcard looks like because also their key art is not very good at the festival stage. You haven't really figured out what your movie is and who your audience is 100%. So it may just be like a production still with a cool font. Mm. It's not going to be incredibly enticing. The only posters I provide are if the festival puts them somewhere. Mm -hmm. Like if they're behind that shadow box or whatever, that light box, and it's right in front of the theater. Or if they need them in a hall for some sort of promotion of all films you know but i don't do that i but i have done merch i've done buttons i've done um done a lot of buttons i like stickers i've seen hats and at sundance that's like the thing right like everyone comes with like a silly merch Mm -hmm. piece that they give Mm -hmm. out um i gave out I went. I partnered with a local bakery, and we gave out free pieces of bread and butter for the premiere of Bread and Butter. That's and fun. then we gave people little, like, um, little pieces of paper, like one tenth of a piece of paper that just gave them all the show times. Mm. And we put it underneath the piece of bread and a napkin, oh, and fun. we gave it to them. Nice. So I would do something, you know, 
like you did a lot of cool stuff with your with your sheet and spark right about doubles yeah yeah like maybe you get someone to dress just like you <laughs> at the festival yeah. and they're your alternate right you know? i don't have time for all that too much um <laughs> i mean i would that would be fun but i mean i just feel like just even with a new baby just getting to the festival is hard enough um the thing that I, you know, the, that they're asking for at Density with Films is um, a poster on foam core so they can put on an easel in in their yeah. hall. So can you do that? Yeah. So I, I have to still do that, but I'm gonna do it. <laughs> I just I've been so busy, but yeah, I, uh, I I don't know. I think I have a fr- I have a friend in Los Angeles who would be willing to to pick it up and take it to the festival for me. So I just have to get that done. Yeah. Whenever I can. I mean, my 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 screening's not until the end of the festival. So, um, you know, opening nights tomorrow. I wish I would have get into them, got it to them by opening night. But I don't even think they're putting them out at all times. I think they only put them out for your screening. I think. I don't know. I have to figure it out. But, anyways, you don't think it's a big deal? No, I think that what you're gonna want is word of mouth Mm -hmm. and it's hard when it's just one screening which i'm sorry i keep saying over and over Mm -hmm. again but you're gonna make that screening be like a wonderful fun launch with everyone and then programmers from the festival will refer your film to other Mm -hmm. festivals so i think it's really like personal human connection reflection yeah on your film yeah so last thing on this so you know you get into a film festival um you know what's the number one thing that you think you should spend time on uh, if you could only spend time on one thing what would that thing be getting ready for your festival premiere um turning your screening into an event of some sort mm. making it not just the film and a Q&A but like like, I screened at the Method Fest um, in Los Angeles two years ago, and I brought Colin, and it was the first time anyone had ever seen Colin. And I know that sounds evil, because I'm using my child <laughs> to sell tickets, uh, which is why I asked if you were bringing yours. But it was like, I think everyone showed up, because Colin was coming, mm-hmm. which is absurd. I don't think it's enough just to say I'm screening my movie sometimes. Mm-hmm. So I've had someone bake cookies for me. I've bought and designed David Bowie-like pins to give out at screenings. I mean, I think it's just like adding value as much as you can. Even if you just say like at 2 a.m. we're going to go to this bar right next to us Mm -hmm. and we're going to all get a drink and it's, you know, and talk about our alternative lifestyles, even if it's that. Add one more thing to the event. Yeah, yeah. I, I am trying to organize a, uh, a bar meetup before the screening. Because the screening's at midnight, so, like, can't really go to a bar after. But, uh, you know, uh, before, that's what I'm trying to do is, like, get, like, you know, the casting crew and some of the investors are already coming. But I'm, I think I'm going to just sort of shout that out to, like, anyone. Just like, hey, come on by, you know. Like, we're, we're meeting here. You know, come see us and uh, yeah. just see, see how that goes. Um Cool. Well, I think this is really good advice. I mean, I'm also like, I'm not trying to stress about it too much. Like, you know, I, th- I think there's going to be a good amount of people there. I don't think the screening's going to be packed by any means, especially with the Delta variant and everything that's going on. Right. But, you know, I feel like if we get like 30 to 40 people in there, like I'll feel pretty good about it, you know? Um, yeah. And like, we, we also got another short film that we're uh, playing with uh, as the opener. Um, I don't think I've talked about Graham yet. Graham High, he's uh, the filmmaker behind this short. And so he's been promoting like crazy. He's doing postcards. He's doing everything. He's doing posters. He's really trying to get people to show up. Um, and we've been cross-promoting on Instagram and on uh, Twitter together. And so, I mean, he'll probably bring in a few people too. So I think between the two of us, 
we'll probably have between 30 and 50 people. And that's a good amount. I'm happy with that, you know. As, that would be awesome. Especially after being in screening after screening of 10 people. It's like, if we can get 50, that's great. If we get that's if we get more. 60 to 100 eyes, yeah. maybe. If both if everyone's two-eyed person. And everyone has both eyes open while they're watching the movie. Yeah. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> I don't know. No, I think that's still fantastic. Am I shooting, but am I aiming too low with that? Or is that like a reasonable, like sort of. Exp- Alric, I have screened for four people in a row. <laughs> Me too. Me too. <laughs> yeah, I think 30 to 50 is fantastic. Yeah. And if that were like a semi-theatrical event at a community center, you would think that you won the lottery. Right. So we need to start thinking about as like making a small meaningful differences in um, with your work is really important. Yeah. Totally. Well, now that the movie's done, I'm going to hit it a little bit harder. Hopefully, I'll get some more people. I've been also reaching out to people individually, and I've already gotten some messages from people who've bought tickets, you know, who are outside of Yay. the crew. So that's nice. Um, so, yeah, I'm excited. And everyone who's listening, if you're in Los Angeles, come to the screening. I'd love to see you there. Come to the bar before. It'll be fun. Um, all right. My breath catches in my chest until I hear three little words. You've got mail. This week's You've Got Mail comes from me. My, I've got mail. I've given you mail. Um, So I want to run a very small but powerful contest to give away two tickets to Ulrich's premiere. And so we're going to launch it on social media today, which is a recording date of Wednesday, August 25th. And I'm going to start posting questions on social media. And the best answer out of all of the questions that I post is going to get two free tickets to the premiere screening. Um, so please pay attention to Twitter because that's where I'm going to focus all of my attention because that's where I think we have the most engagement. Um, and follow us. We'll follow you back. And let's see if you can get tickets to the alternate. Thank you, Liz. Yeah, of course. <laughs> Uh, so if you want to be like the amazing people who have written in and who I'm ignoring right now because I have a call at 11 minutes, <laughs> if you want to be like any of these amazing people, please send us a question, comment, or suggestion to podcast at makingmoviesishard.com. Um, if you like the show, you can leave us a review on iTunes. Um, you can go to our YouTube page and leave a comment or a question, and you could support the show on Patreon, www.patreon.com slash podcast. Give whatever you can. Uh, we appreciate anything at all. It really all goes to the making of the show. Thanks in advance. Uh, you can check us out on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter at MMIH Podcast, and YouTube at Making Movies is Hard Podcast. Thanks for listening, and thanks to Stacy and Margarita for coming on the show. You can check out our website at makingmoviesishard.com. I will have the links up sometime. I don't know. It'll happen. I looked at today, and I realized it was like 302 was the last episode that we posted. So oh, it's wow. like 20-plus episodes behind. Um, but, yeah, I, I think I could knock this out in two hours if I just focus. So I just need to, like, just freaking do it already. Um Thanks to uh, uh, editor Cameron for doing the editing. Cameron, you're the best. And we'll talk to you guys next week. This week we have filmmakers Stacey Malton and Margarita. Oh my God. Zentakova. Zentakova. She told me how to say it. Okay. Zentakova. Take two, Cameron. Take two. Take two.